Welcome to Grace to All. I'm your host, Paul Gray. You've probably used the word grace, sang Amazing Grace, or said grace at a meal. But did you know that God's grace is way better than we can even imagine, and that you and all people already have an abundant supply of God's unlimited amazing grace? Today, we're going to hear the truth about God's amazing grace to all people. So, sit back, relax, and prepare to be inspired and awakened to the amazing treasures that you already possess. This is truth that you can handle. Hey, what's going on? Oh, not much. That's kind of a response that we give most all the time without even thinking about it. Oh, not much, but the truth is there's a whole lot going on. A whole lot. God, Papa, Jesus, and Grace have a lot going on all the time. They have an agenda, and they're carrying that agenda out all the time. I guess the question is, do we have the same agenda that God does? I'm working on a new book, and the people that I partner with to do that and that I partner with to do my podcast and videos and things, they have a monthly Think Tank Zoom meeting for me and other podcasters, communicators. And this last week, they talked to us about being really clear on what our purpose is in what we do. Now, it's a difference in what we do and what our purpose is. What I do is write and teach and interview and mentor, but Do I know, more importantly maybe, well, probably equally importantly, do the people I connect with, do they know what my purpose is in doing what I do? I mean, do I know? If I don't know, they're probably not going to know what my agenda is either. My mentors made a statement that really rang true with me. If I don't know what my purpose is in everything I do, certainly nobody else will. And they'll be free to come up with all sorts of ideas about why I'm doing what I'm doing. So I asked Grace, my name for the Holy Spirit, to help me, and she lovingly asked me some very probing questions. She said, Paul, is your agenda to get something from the other person? I said, well, I, I, I don't think so. Paul, is your agenda to get the other person to do something for you? I don't think so. Paul, is your agenda to get the other person to change their ways and act like the way you think they should? Um, Paul, is your agenda to impress other people? Uh, uh, Could we talk about something else, Grace? (laughs) And I heard her say lovingly, Paul, you're becoming more and more into the likeness of Christ. And we want you to be aware of what our agenda is. Then you won't need to be concerned at all about what your agenda is. So I've been working on a personal statement of my agenda with my advisors, Jesus, Papa, and the Holy Spirit. And not not just for my books and podcasts and teaching and my course and stuff, but for everyday life. I'll share that with you a little bit later on. My wife gave me a great book several days ago called The Book of Mysteries by Jonathan Kahn. He goes very deep into the Hebrew meaning of words to help us glean insight from the Jewish scripture, which we call the Old Testament. He talks about how the words have a surface level meaning, then a much deeper 
secret meaning, he calls it, where knowing the origin of the original word can help us prepare to go to the Holy Spirit of Christ in us to show us what the original meaning meant at the time and what it means for us specifically today. This wonderful book has 365 days of one-page insights, and I was particularly impacted by one this week titled, Appointing Your Days. And the Hebrew scripture that he referenced for it is Psalm 90, verse 12, which says, Teach us, O Lord, to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. That's Old Testament, of course, Psalm 90, 12. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. The Greek word mana, M-A-N-N-A-H, is what we translate as number. Number our days. It actually means to prepare and to appoint. It doesn't mean to go, okay, Monday's the first day of the week, and the 20th, no, it doesn't mean that at all. All right. We're not just, what it means is we're not to just watch and wait passively to see what our days will bring. Instead, we're to prepare them. Now, that's helpful, but we've learned, of course, to always interpret the Jewish scriptures and everything else through the lens of Christ's finished work at the cross because everything changed after that. Well, Jesus said that no one before him knew the Father or what he was like. So if we try to prepare our life to gain a heart of wisdom using understanding from before Jesus finished work at the cross, we may totally miss, not may, we will totally miss what God's intent and agenda for us is today. And we'll live like the Old Testament nation of Israel did. They thought he had a different agenda than Jesus showed that he does. And it didn't work out so well for them. One whole section in the Jewish history is called the Wisdom Books, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and the Song of Solomon. If you Google that, at least one site that I went to says that they contain the poetry of the Hebrew nation, and they provide the reader with important stories and wisdom. Well, poetry of the Jewish nation, yes. Important stories, yes. But do we get our wisdom from them? Jesus and the writers of the New Testament would would say no. 1 Corinthians 1.30, the Apostle Paul said, Of God's doing are we in Christ. We didn't have anything to do with it. Jesus is both the genesis and the genius of our wisdom. A wisdom that reveals how righteous, sanctified, and redeemed we already are in him. Now, knowledge, the Old Testament says, my people perish without knowledge. Knowledge, knowing about something, is maybe a starting point. But wisdom is knowing what to do in your everyday life. The Jewish people, and unfortunately, much of organized religion today, still believe that we get wisdom from Scripture and that by applying that wisdom using our own efforts, we can become more righteous and sanctified. Whole groups of denominations call themselves holiness churches or holiness denominations where they believe they can make themselves holy, sanctified, by what they do and what they don't do. 
I want to give you Francois Dutoit's footnotes on 1 Corinthians 1.30. He said, in God's economy, Jesus Christ represents us. What mankind could never achieve through personal discipline and willpower is taught in every religion. But God's faith, apart from willpower or anything we do, has already been accomplished in Christ. Of his design, we are in Christ. We are associated in oneness with him. Our wisdom is sourced in this union. Also, our righteousness and holiness originate from him. Holiness equals wholeness, W-H-O-L-E-N-E-S-S, and harmony of a person's spirit, soul, and body. He redeemed our identity, our sanity, our health, our joy, our peace, our innocence, and our complete well-being. See, we don't prepare our days so that we can gain a heart of wisdom. That's what the writers of the Old Testament thought we did. No, that's Old Testament. That's before Christ, before Christ finished work at the cross. Now we have a new heart. (laughs) Jesus gave us a new heart. And his finished work at the cross when we died with him and raised with him as new creations. We don't do anything to gain a new heart. We have a new heart. And Christ himself is our wisdom. And we have the mind of Christ. And the teacher, wisdom herself, grace herself, lives in us and communicates with our heart, our spirit. The surface level principle from Psalm 90.12 is correct. You prepare your day for God's agenda which Jesus showed us, they didn't know in the Old Testament, is love. Then you use your days to do just that. 1 John 3, 16 and 17, the mirror translates John as saying it this way. Love is known in its other-centeredness. Just as Jesus laid down his life for us to be free, and to free his love within us for others, the indwelling love of God compels one to live sensitively aware of people around us and not exclude those in need. The indwelling love of God compels us to live sensitively aware of people around us and not exclude those in need. See, Jesus' agenda was and is always to love. Agape, selfless, self-giving love that always does what's best for the other person and is always working all things for the good. Jesus, of course, is the exact representation of God, and God is love. Jesus is love. Jesus, God's agenda, is always love in all its beautiful expressions. What's going on? What's happening? God's agenda is going on. Galatians 5, 22 and 23, the Passion Translation says, The fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its varied expressions. Joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart, and strength of spirit. Never set the law above these qualities, for they are meant to be limitless. The law has nothing to do with those things. God is love. God's agenda is love in all its varied expressions. God's agenda to love includes continually working all things for the good, continually blessing all people, and continually bringing about the restoration of all to our original genesis. 
God's agenda is what's happening. God's agenda is continually happening. John 13, 34 and 35, the night before Jesus died, he got his guys together and he said, I'm going to give you a new commandment. And the meaning of the text is in the original words that this supersedes all the other commandments. Here it is. Love each other just as much as I have loved you or love each other in the same way I have loved you. For when you demonstrate the same love I have for you by loving one another, my love for you is the source for your love for one another, then everyone will know that you are my true followers. Jesus told us our agenda is to love in the same way he loved us. So how do we do that? How do we as humans do that? How do we manifest an agenda only to love? And what does that look like? Well, last time we talked about the qualities we want in someone that we hang out with us. And I'm not going to go through all of those today, but it looks like that. His love for us compels us to have an agenda like that and to act like that. 1 Corinthians 5, 13 to 16, the mirror says it this way. This is Apostle Paul writing. We are blissfully out of our minds with pleasure before our maker. He delights in our ecstasy. The love of Christ resonates within us and leaves us with only one conclusion. Jesus died humanity's death. Therefore, in God's logic, every individual simultaneously died. Now, if all were included in his death, they were equally included in his resurrection. This unveiling of his love redefines human life. Whatever reference we could have of ourselves outside of our association with Christ is no longer relevant. He says this is radical and our most defining moment. This is what defines us. No label that could ever possibly previously identify someone carries any further significance. Even our pet doctrines of Christ are redefined. Whatever we knew about him historically or sentimentally is challenged by this conclusion. By discovering Christ from God's point of view, we discover ourselves and every other human life from God's point of view. Francois, the interpreter, says that Paul sees us by revelation that what Jesus redeemed in every person brings absolute closure and death to any other reasoning and judgment we may have had of ourselves or anyone else from that matter. He says, this is our metanoia moment. And you know that means to change our mind. From now on, therefore, we no longer know anyone according to the flesh, even though we once knew Christ from a human religious point of view. See, the way that we have an agenda to love is to see everyone as Jesus sees them and then to ask the Holy Spirit of Christ in us, to ask grace, to live as us and to participate with Jesus and what he wants to do, always listening and saying what he wants you to say and do, doing what he wants you to do. Soon you'll find it becomes effortless. And you'll know when you're doing something that's not of love's kind. I do, (laughs) certainly do. God's white, all-consuming, fiery love, white, hot, all-consuming, fiery love, is continually consuming and purifying and burning away any and everything that is not of love's kind. See, when your agenda is only to love, there's no hate, 
No judging, no condemning, no berating, no criticizing, no racism, no sexism, no homophobia, no marginalizing, no separating, no labeling, no classifying, no hierarchy, no one-upsmanship, no entitlement, no selfishness, no shaming. Those are not of love's kind. And what it looks like is agape love, grace, acceptance, inclusion with no favoritism. It's pure, light, love, joy, peace, grace, kindness, gentleness, and compassion. It's never an inconvenience or a bother to love someone else. Now, where do we get the ability, the power to do that? Well, if we focus on the negative and what appears to be true with our five senses and what's going around us and what's happened in our past and our flesh and stuff, we're going to come to the conclusion that uh, I can't do that. I'm not loving like that. I'm not so patient. I'm selfish. I'm not unselfish. But when we know the truth, when we know Jesus personally, grace in us, that sets us free from that false mindset. And we can agree with God and tell ourselves the truth. We can say the same thing God does rather than lie and say, I am not loving, patient, or whatever. Instead, we take sides with Jesus and we homologio, the Greek word that means to, that we translate, unfortunately, confess, simply means to say the same thing as God says about us. The New Testament scripture, after Jesus finished work at the cross, tells us, and I encourage you to personalize these because these are true about who you are. Here's what you can look in the mirror and you can say out loud and look yourself in the eye and know is true. As Christ is, so am I. I have Holy Spirit power. I am more than a conqueror. I am born from above. I am a partaker of the divine nature. I am complete in Christ. I am righteous and sanctified. I am pure and without fault. I am the light of the world. I am a new creation. I have the mind of Christ. Those of you who've had some Bible background, you know that all of those things are from the new creation. They're either Jesus saying no's or Paul saying no's primarily. Once we believe and are unshakable in the truth of who we are, then we can appoint our day, as the psalmist said. We can plan in advance. We can commit in advance to listen to the teacher in us, listen to love and grace and wisdom in us, then live out the agenda of love by the Holy Spirit's power, by Jesus living as us. Then, what will the end result be of an agenda to love? Well, like attracts like. <laughs> love attracts love. What you sow, you reap. Even if the other person is not yet ready to love back, Jesus is. When we love, we experience his love, and we are aware of divine love. We're aware of and we experience his love for us and the other people that we're with that we're loving when we partner with him and his agenda to love. Is love primarily for us or primarily for other people we're with? I'm going to ask that again. Is love primarily for us or primarily for other people we're with? The answer is yes. See, when you appoint your day in advance to bring about God's agenda of love, then what actually happens in your day greatly diminishes in relationship to the most important thing, God's agenda to love. You may or may not get the parking place you want. You may or may not make the sale you want to make. You may or may not get the work that you want. Allergies may or may not affect you. You may or may not get the doctor's report you want. 
Your kids may or may not make the choices you hope for. Your team may or may not win the game today. The weather may or may not be what you'd hope for today. The decisions made by politicians may or may not be what you think are right. Your spouse or your kids or your grandkids or your friends may or may not understand you and treat you the way you'd like. But as you become more and more conformed to the image of Christ, you realize that all those things are light and momentary problems that don't really matter in the big picture. Yes, we have to work through those as we go, and Christ in us will do that, empower us to it. And we have wisdom, grace herself living in us, teaching us, empowering us. We are one with wisdom. Christ has literally become your wisdom, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians one thirty. And when wisdom reminds you that God's agenda to love includes continually working all things for the good of everyone, continually blessing all people, and continually bringing about the restoration of all to our original genesis, then we know, okay, this particular instance isn't going the way I want to. I'd rather have it gone differently, but I'm okay with that because I know God's loving as me and through me and working all things for the good. Now, I told you earlier that I'm working on a new personal statement to clarify what my purpose is in what I do. Here's my working draft, I'm sure I'll change it, that I will use for my podcast introduction and for the book I'm working on and for some other things and to remind myself. My purpose today and every day is to love other people and help other people experience God's unconditional love, joy, grace, peace, and goodness, and to help other people enjoy all the myriad of blessings that they already have. For decades, I wore myself out unsuccessfully trying to please God and make him happy until I found out that God was already pleased and happy with me. Jesus once said in Matthew eleven twenty eight and 29, Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me and watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. That's what he's been doing with me, and that's what I'm all about. So join me now to be encouraged by Jesus, Papa, and Grace, who are especially fond of you. That's all really good news for all people. So that's the draft that I'm working on to use at the beginning of my podcast. I'd appreciate your input on that. Do I do that 24-7 every second of every day? No, but it's my intention. That's what I'm appointing my day to do. That's what I want to do. And when I stop, listen, think, ask Christ who lives in me to live as me, and I say and do what he says and does, then I do that. That's my intention to do that all the day. I think that's what it means, or at least a good part of what it means to number your day or appoint your day. All right. Thanks, everybody, for being with me. Look forward to these times together. Look forward to doing it again with you. Love you all. See you next time. Thank you for listening to Grace to All. For more about us, how we can serve you, and our special guest, please visit www.gracewithpaulgray.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and to join our Facebook group, Grace to All, where you'll be inspired and awakened to more truth that you can handle.